0: Hey, everyone. Um, I'm taking the summer off of new podcast episodes. Um, This summer, I am teaching a research reading seminar class at George Mason. Uh, It's an online master's class for practicing health and physical educators as a part of our 100% online master's program. So this summer, I'm going to launch episodes that I assign in that class. And as a part of the class, Um, We definitely read a lot of research articles, but then I mix in some of the podcasts, so I let the experts talk about their research that have uh, published in previous episodes. So these are all episodes that have launched previously, so maybe you've heard them before, but I know there's a lot of content and people miss podcasts all the time based on various reasons, Um, and these are all really good podcasts I hope you enjoy them. Um, I will be back in mid-August with an awesome podcast about the state of physical education, teacher education in the U.S. with a recent paper that was published by Dr. Phil Ward. So um, these are going to be launching every uh, few days for the next couple months. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Risto here, George Mason University. I'm here with Dr. Laura Alfrey from Monash University in Australia to discuss the article titled, an Expansive Learning Approach to Transforming Traditional Fitness Testing in Health and Physical Education Student Voice, Feelings, and Hopes uh, This article was just recently published in the journal Curriculum Studies in Health and Physical Education And you can, as always, find the full citation of the article in the notes um, So Laura, welcome back to the podcast You uh, hold number three of all time downloaded podcasts So maybe we can recreate lightning in a bottle Or trap lightning in a bottle. I don't remember
1: how it goes. Bronze medal, story of my life, Risto. Thank you for having me Uh, again. um, This is a solo paper, but as you can tell from the acknowledgements at the end of the paper, um, there's lots of fab people who've made this kind of uh, work possible, uh, not least the teachers and the students who participated. And um, it's also extended work I've done over the last wee while with people like Lorraine kale, Michael Garbs, Valley and others. So, yeah, thanks to them.
0: Awesome. So I love that you start the article by, you, you have this quote, Fitness testing is a ubiquitous cultural practice within health and physical education. And you talk about all around the world that this is something that happens in some form or another. So I'm wondering if you can expand on that idea and tell us kind of what what do we even know in the literature uh, in relation to feelings of uh, PE students regarding the dreaded fitness test? It's
1: not always dreaded, but... Um... <laughs> Uh, I'll get there. Um, So the first part of that question, we've known for a really long time that fitness testing is woven really deeply into the fabric of health and PE, and what it means to be a health and PE teacher. Um, I wouldn't say across the world, but we know definitely in places like England, Australia, uh, New Zealand, and the US that it's it's a strong uh, feature of, of physical education and health and physical education programs. Um, In terms of the second half of your question, uh, yes, Um, I can tell you what my interpretation of the literature says uh, in relation to students' experiences. So first I will say that um, my time in teaching, kind of in through and about fitness testing, and it was a real heavy focus of of my work as a teacher, um, I knew from then that some kids loved it, like I did, and it motivates them and makes them feel good and the process is meaningful and educative, right? But it's also really obvious that that's not for all students. Um, and it's really those students that don't have those positive experiences that I'm trying to support here uh, through supporting the teachers that, that they work with. So um, some of the key points that I raised in the paper uh, from the literature are, for example, uh, Simonson and colleagues talk about um, positive attitudes towards testing usually being linked to high performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, which isn't too much of a shock. Uh, Mercy and Silverman and also O'Keefe in Ireland talk about how boys tend to be more positive than girls uh, around their attitudes to fitness testing. Um, attitudes of all genders towards fitness testing tend to become more negative over time. When um, we finally do Um, highlighted that fitness testing was a key reason why female students in particular chose not to participate in health and PE more broadly. Uh, You may have um, been stateside. You you might have seen the New York Times a few years ago where uh, the work of Ladwick and colleagues kind of really uh, piqued their interest and they highlighted um, kind of the persisting and negative impact that fitness testing and physical education more broadly can have on students into adulthood, and they shared a whole range of uh, quite confronting quotes from adults around their experiences as children in in physical education. So um, the main causes of negative affect that Ladwig and colleagues found uh, mainly related to norms-based evaluations, and and especially um, evaluations that occur in front of peers around fitness or bodies. Um, one last thing I will just say is um, one of the main pushbacks whenever I work uh, I do PD with teachers or I might present at a conference and one of the main pushbacks um, is this kind of critical work related to fitness testing usually comes in the form of a statement that goes something like uh, well math test makes some kids feel bad too right Um, but I think a real key difference here is that in health and PE, the focus is, is quite obviously on my visible and tangible body mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed to my hidden inability to do long division. And I think that throws a, a whole heap of different questions um, and challenges for, for us as teachers and
0: also uh, students. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up because that is a question that or a comment that comes up often often here as well and, you know, that you can hide a bad math test score, you know, if it's not posted on the wall, like you can hide it, but you can't hide a bad, like let's say the old school, like uh, mile run in the US that the last person who finishes is the slowest. And, you know, and it's, it's very hard to, hard to hide. So, So I'm wondering, one of the terms you use is extensive learning. Can you explain what, what do you mean by that and how that relates to your study overall?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so expansive learning, it's rooted in third generation uh, cultural historical activity theory, or CHAT. Um, we'll say CHAT. So it's much easier. Um, so CHAT can be traced back to Vygotsky, um, and third gen CHAT, which I've drawn on in this paper, um, was developed largely by Engstrom. Um, and I'm, I'm going to use some quotes from them because uh, I want to get it right. <laughs> so. For Engstrom, um, this idea of uh, third-gen chat and, and expansive learning was about developing conceptual tools to understand dialogue, multiple perspectives, and networks of interacting activity systems. So that's a direct quote. Um, if you Google it, it's often diagramatized, and um, this is chat, um, as one or more triangles. Um, uh, and what what those triangles are trying to do is articulate the multi-directional relationships between different elements of an activity system um and they often include you know community rules uh, that the system abides by division of labor things like that um and key in this approach is that activity systems such as a school or a health and care department are capable of transformation and change so that's kind of the big picture of chat and then zooming into expansive learning um, that's really about and it'll be clear why I was drawn to it it's really about the creation of new pedagogical practices in schools by providing opportunities for those involved in schooling um, that might be teachers students, school leaders, community stakeholders, to design and implement their own futures um, as their prevalent practices show symptoms of crisis that's another quote design and implement their own features as their prevalent practices. In our case, fitness testing shows symptoms of crisis. Um, and the link to my research was a no-brainer for me. Hopefully it makes sense to others. Um, with obviously the prevalent practice being fitness testing and the symptoms of crisis we've we've already, I think, touched on. Probably we don't need to go too long into that. Uh, It's very strength-based, so again, most of my teaching and research takes a a strength-based approach, and expanded learning is is very much that, and it views crisis or conflict um, not as necessarily a bad thing, um, more an invitation to transform an element of current practice that that might be problematic for some, not not necessarily all. Um, So there is a focus on participants' critical and creative agency, Uh, for school reform in particular. Um, So it was so nice to kind of dig into some literature that was so neatly made for what I was trying to do. You know, often with this work, we're kind of lifting areas and applying it within health and PA uh, or in schools. Um, And it was nice not to have to do that for a change. Um, The quote from Engstrom that made the most sense for me was, it's a long one, but again, it's a good one. Since school is a historically formed practice, Perhaps the initial step towards breaking its encapsulation is that students are invited to look at its contents and procedures critically in the light of their history, dot, dot, dot. Uh, Such a search will lead to questions like, why is this being taught and studied in the first place? And that's exactly what I wanted to know. I wanted to ask students, I've asked teachers before, a long time ago with Michael Scott, but I wanted to ask students, why? (laughs) Why do you think this is a feature of your uh, health and physical education? um so yeah that's
0: that's what what I did yeah and I love the the yeah I loved your quote because or not your quote but the quote that you had in the paper about you know why are we doing this in the first place and like challenging teachers to ask that and it gets us out of this routine of like well we're doing it because the people who were before us did it and like if we were doing that then we'd be teaching 1940s PE and you know and I think that those are those are really important questions to ask because you have to have the why and I think that there are several people, a lot of teachers that can have a really good why for fitness testing, but there are increasingly a lot of people who don't have any why behind it and i and I love that you bring up this idea of bringing the students in to critique them about. Asking the students to look at it critically and figure out why is this being done? So.
1: Yeah, that's the point, Risto, and, and the, the why, the purpose is imperative. But if that why or purpose is not tied to educational learning, then we have a, an equally, um, I guess, challenging situation. Yeah, so often when we, we do ask, what's the purpose? often tied to you know biomedical discourses around obesity increasing physical activity so on and so forth but the learning or the to purpose isn't isn't often paid much
0: attention yeah yeah and uh, and i meant to lead with this but i did not write it in my my notes here but i meant to lead with the fact that your paper was so approachable and well written that i just wanted to give you a compliment because i was reading it And I flew through the paper because there wasn't this, like, super, like, tough writing to get through and, like, super complex. Like, the results section was really well done. Like, the intro was brief, but it gave me everything I needed to understand to, like, you know, it was compact in a way. But I just... That's a thumbs up from me. Like, very good. And, and Alba, who, who read this paper as well, she said the same thing. Like, she flew through the paper because it was very well written. So, kudos. And now I'm going to ask you what you actually did in this paper. So, can you cover the, the methods section? Sure. Uh, thank
1: you, Matt. And you need to talk to my dad because he, he says he can't even get past the abstracts usually. So, I'll tell him you said that um so expansive learning i didn't mention it just then but it is important in terms of the methods so i'll quickly with through there's three contexts for learning within this kind of expansive learning approach one is the context of criticism uh where you might question critique or debate in this instance fitness testing but it could be any practice and uh, the second context is context for discovery uh, experimenting, modelling, floating new ideas, seeing what other alternatives might be possible. And then thirdly, the context of practical social application, where you actually give it a whirl, trial it, see what works, see what doesn't work. Um, and I, I use those three contexts to frame uh, the the findings and discussion, and also it, it inform the process and the methodology. So, yeah. Um, uh, and the one final thing I will say uh, before I answer your question is this idea of context of criticism, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's it's an opportunity uh, for transformation. Um, it's just holding up a mirror against a particular practice that might benefit from reconsideration. Um, so in terms of the method, got it, Roger, thank you. Um, we had uh, 48 year eight students with slightly more uh, than half identifying as a female. All participants were from one secondary college on the boundary of metropolitan Melbourne uh, in Victoria, Australia, Um, and the college itself was located in an area of economic disadvantage. The main methods for data collection were semi-structured focus group interviews, uh, and they utilized participatory arts-based methods. um, the data itself of the interview transcripts, but also artefacts from the focus groups. Uh, and these mainly took the form of drawings that um, I asked the participants to uh, draw for me. Um, I'll, I'll explain, I guess, the process in a little bit more detail. So at the start of their schedule fitness testing, so I didn't, I didn't have any input into that. I just asked the teacher to teach their lesson as they would. Um, uh, but at the start of that lesson, uh, I did ask them to draw a picture of how they felt when their teacher either told them or tells them that they're doing fitness testing in the next lesson. And I gave them a feelings wheel, uh, if anyone can Google that and you'll see it, just to give them some language and to help them with that activity and to annotate it um, with, with how, how that made them feel. And then we did, and then they did the lesson, fitness testing lesson. Uh, and the beat test was the last thing they did. So as they finished that, I kind of just whizzed them off in groups of about four to start the focus group process. Um, and it was then when I asked them to draw a second picture. Uh, and that was, tell me how you feel right now. So you just participated in your fitness testing lesson. How do you feel? Uh, and again, they had the feelings wheel to, to help them. Um, and then in the interview, I just have questions like, why do you think you do fitness testing at school? Um, does it help you with anything that you do out of school? Um, how does it make you feel? And we could jump, you know, I use the drawings as a licitation. Um, How do you think other people might feel in your class? And how might we change practices so that everyone feels that this is a good thing to do? I think about that.
0: Yeah, and and I love the arts based methods and I know a couple couple people in the field have started moving towards that as a supplemental way to collect data and qualitative projects and and I love the the freedom that students get to be able to explain how they feel in in just different ways so I'm wondering if you can just briefly explain what is participatory arts based methods like what what did like where Did you even come up with that? Like, where does that come from?
1: I could give, give you the honest answer, I could give you a more academic one, <laughs> but um, I'll uh, the quick answer is I thought of it about the day before I went to school, I was always going to go to focus groups, and then um, I just thought, let's try this, <laughs> yeah. and it happened to work. Um, but in answer to your question, I'll, I'll kind of split it into two so we've got. Participatory research methods, which I've used for most of my academic career, um, uh, especially when I'm working with young people, and and, and because it's about um, kind of being in direct collaboration with those who are affected by whatever the focus of the study is. Um, so it might be mapping where kids are physically active, or it might be mapping where kids feel safe, or it might be drawing a picture of their favourite way to move outside of school. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, As you suggested, it just offers another avenue for communicating and for eliciting, I guess, deeper conversations. Um, And then adding art into the mix just means really using any form of art to collect, interpret or share new knowledge. So for me, in this research, as I said, it was participatory because it was a collaboration with students um, and teachers, but not in this particular situation. And then... um, it was arts-based because we were using drawing as a, a key method of both data generation and elicitation, but also dissemination.
0: So um, as I read through the, uh, results, it was interesting to see this like range of feelings and some of them, like you said, in the research, some of them felt happy that they were doing fitness testing and some of them, some of them had like very negative feelings. Um, but in the pictures, they, they talked about this range of feelings, and um, when they learned initially that the teacher was like, "Hey, today we're doing fitness testing." All right, draw this picture and here's the, here's the feelings wheel and talk to me how how you feel. Um, I'm wondering if you can share kind of like what those feelings were from these these students in in year eight yeah sure.
1: Um... So, in short, they weren't, they weren't that easy to thematise, right? They were complex, varied, often contradictory. You know, one student would be experiencing relatively positive and relatively negative feelings at the same time. Um, uh, so, that was, I guess, interesting, but not necessarily unexpected. You mentioned the drawings, and obviously, I purposely chose drawings to go in the paper where I'd get most bags of my book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if this is all about transforming policy and practice, um, I needed to make particular points. Yeah. Um, The top ten feelings by the students before their fitness testing um, kind of map to what I've just said, you know, complex and varied. Uh, Number one was nervous, then it was happy, overwhelmed, anxious, energetic, excited, fearful, hopeful, insecure and surprised. There's lots going on there, Mm -hmm. Um, and and they do tell a neat message, but I don't think we need to. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, flipped to after the lesson, uh, the the top uh, feelings there were tired, happy, proud, stressed, embarrassed, excited, scared, weak, anxious, and confused.
0: Yeah, and it's...
1: The the verbal response was...
0: no i i think it's it's so interesting like those those words the way that they describe themselves afterwards like things you'd never want your students to feel in school right scared and embarrassed and that's the result at the end now not like you said not all of them because some of them were happy and some of them were just tired like i am tired i just ran to exhaustion and this is okay that's not I don't feel like that's a negative feeling. It's just like, that's a byproduct of physical activity. But in that mix, you have scared and, and embarrassed and other words like that just like makes you feel so bad that something that we do in physical education makes a kid feel like that, makes several kids feel like that. Yeah, and that, that's
1: exactly my point. Even if it's only one student, if 29 of my kids are related by the thought of the testing, that's great. But if there's one that feels any of those things, you know, anxious, scared, then for me that's enough to, to prompt some reconsideration. And what you just said was pretty much exactly what the head of department said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that they they knew some kids liked and some didn't, but they didn't know the extent to which it was impacting their learners. And, and at that point, they had no choice but to reconsider and think yeah. of new ways of doing things. And they amazing they were so happy to do that that hard and pretty um challenging
0: work yeah absolutely so we know that there's a a lot of research that's been done on how to make pe meaningful for students with tim fletcher and stephanie benny and that group especially um i have two convoluted questions about this so try to keep them straight uh the first one is about understanding that the students Uh, had related to the purpose of fitness testing. And second, what kind of suggestions did the students have to reduce their negative feelings that we just talked about uh, toward fitness testing?
1: Yeah, great. Um, I'll take the first one. Um, So linking back to this idea of expansive learning, one of the big questions that that it prompts us to ask is, well, why is this being taught and studied in the first place? So as I suggested earlier, that's exactly what I asked the students. And no students really felt that they could comment on the educative purpose. Um, uh, their responses, uh, if they had any, tended to relate to uh, ability or motor competence. You know, this idea of um, oh, my teacher will know where I'm at. So that was what they said, you know, Nothing. where I'm at in terms of their, their... um Five of the 48, uh, that was Four who identified as males and one who identified as female. They were the only five who could see how the process of fitness testing that they were experiencing in school could link or support or was meaningful to their physically active lives beyond school. So, uh, and the commonality across those five was that they were committed to club sport and, and formal club competition outside of school. Um, and then of those five, um, only two could verbalize why fitness testing was meaningful to them. Uh, one said it was around agility and that, you know, if, if I'm being tested around my agility, then that'll help in netball with pivoting and everything, mm-hmm. as she said. Um, and then another said, uh, I play football and basketball, so knowing that I can run for longer helps with footy and knowing I can be in the midfield or whatever I need to do. So for both of them, they could see really clear links um, between in-school and out-of-school. Um, but yeah, two that was two out of 48 that could kind of make, make that kind of commentary. Um, but to your second question, um, which was what suggestions did the students have to reduce their kind of negative feelings towards it as testing? Um, as part of expansive learning, as I said earlier, uh, Engstrom talks about the context of discovery. So, how I've badged it in the paper is that's what this bit was yeah, collaboratively discovering new ways to do things in relation to fitness testing. And the focus group was really the main place that discovery was done. So, um, they, um, I'll talk a bit more about this later, but they were really. Quick, The students were really quick to think of new ways of doing things, (laughs) surprisingly so. Um, uh, And they could very quickly think of strategies that would help their peers or themselves feel less overwhelmed or anxious or scared and all those feelings we mentioned earlier. The the discoveries or the new ways of doing things were mainly uh, in relation to before the testing, the testing itself or after the testing. in terms of pre-testing, they said they would appreciate more notice so that they could kind of mentally and physically prepare. I'm not sure how much they can physically prepare in a week, but um, if they, it goes without saying, you know, if they have more notice. And if they, if they just want the opportunity to try and prepare, like, that's fabulous, and why wouldn't we support that?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, in terms of the testing itself, some students commented that they prefer that not all tests were carried out in the same space at the same time. And this links to the, the, what we already know uh, about um, exposure and feeling judged in front of peers. If all of a sudden students have choice to go where they want and, and work in small groups, then that kind of surveillance is dissolved. Um, and another key practice that was problematic for these kids in particular was that the results were on the wall, on like a big spreadsheet, that everybody could see what everybody had achieved in ever, all of the fitness tests. So um, they, many were quick to say, look, we'd rather not do that, happy to record, but that that process is not for me. Um, and, and one student suggested that, you know, if we had our own record sheet instead of the class form, that would be awesome. Um, so generally, I'd say the data suggests that the students would, value, opportunities to make decisions about which test they participated in, where they carried out the test and with who, the so close friends that they choose. Um, and this echoes the findings, you know, of other people like Mercy and Silverman, O'Keefe, Phillips, et al. Um, and even just those combined, as well as the work from like, Lorraine Cale and Joe Harris, we have lists of things, yes, yeah, that as teachers, if we do them, our students will be more supported in fitness testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the challenge is that we've been uh, not that successful in translating those recommendations into practice. And I feel like I've made some headway with this. And I think the key was actually this link to affect and emotion and feelings. Uh, and once you garner those, it's impossible to ignore as a teacher you yep. know yeah um oh i got a bit on a rant there i forgot where i was no. uh did i tell you all the things where with yep. whom Yep. uh oh be clear on the loop which should take place uh for so the results not to be shared um and know the purpose of each test and what how they, that might be relevant to their lives beyond school um yeah and, and was... again lots of these align. Yeah,
0: go on. yeah, it was interesting to see that, you know, some of the the students there had given similar suggestions as, you know, other research, like, you know, five, seven years ago had said already, like, this is what yeah. we think that should be done. And it's like, well, you gave the students the voice and they, they reiterated it. And they're like, yeah, we would like to do these, these in certain different ways. And it's, yeah you know, even, even for like, if you're a pre service teacher, if you come into my class and I tell you, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, but we're doing fitness testing today as a learning experience where you're going to run the pacer. So I hope that, you know, like you're ready. Like they would, they would be pissed. They'd be like, no heads up. Like I could have modified my breakfast this morning, or like I could have, you know, there's so many yeah. different things. And even for pre service teachers, that happens. And, you know, you wouldn't do that for them, but then for, for our students in, in K to 12, you know, you just, that's what you do. You're like, oh, today we're doing this. And obviously like you captured a lot of that information in those initial, initial art, um, pictures that they drew. Um, but I'm wondering, can you share your thoughts on the consequences that negative experiences in fitness testing can have on adulthood? Because that's one of the, that's one of the trans, uh, transitions, right? If we think about moving out of, not people don't stay in physical education, but they may have some serious, you know, carryover effects of, of fitness testing into adulthood.
1: Yeah. Um, I won't give you my thoughts, because this is a very emotive and contested context, but I am inclined to lean on the research, uh, which there isn't much, um, but, um, as I linked to in the paper, Corbin has talked to the negative experiences of PA and their likelihood sort of reducing motivation for lifelong physical activity. Uh, and then we mentioned uh, last week earlier; theirs was one of the few longitudinal uh, research projects that kind of traced the impact of experiences of the student through to adulthood. And, and and both of those highlight that, uh, and it goes both ways, right? If if Physical education experience is positive and if I'm well prepared and I develop the knowledge and skills I need to, to to live a long and active life, then I'm going to feel good about that, and it's going to support me moving forward uh, in being active and healthy. With it, you know. If if I do not have the opportunity to develop the knowledge and skills I need to to engage in lifelong physical activity in my local community, then um, uh, and if I especially if I have uh, Really negative experiences where I feel judged and anxious and exposed, then it, it, it's going to likely demotivate some people mm-hmm. uh, to be physically active into the future. Yeah. Um. Both of uh, the library page in particular, and and also um, I look on Twitter a lot for people's reflections <laughs> on fitness testing. Um, and what what you'll often find is they come full circle, you know, and then they turn into many people, tend many marathon runners, you know, or competitive weightlifters, or that it, it took that time to kind of work through the trauma uh, before they uh, found alternative ways to, uh, you know, move and enjoy physical activity again.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a trauma there in some way for some some students that graduate, and it it takes, like you said, it takes them a long time to get back. And understand that, oh, like movement can be really enjoyable and i've you know i've uh teach a class here at Mason for elementary teachers who want to learn how to teach health and p e to their students or health and physical activity to their students, and a lot of them like they literally say like i I used to not work out because I had just such terrible experiences about. Movement And most of them were related to PE and to the embarrassing situations that they had in PE and just like completely turned off. And then something clicks when they're like 24, 22, that they're like, oh, I really enjoy swimming. Like, this is no longer like scary to me or embarrassing. Like, I really enjoy it. And then they get super into it and they want to take a class as an elective to learn how to teach Motivates students to be physically active because they had such a terrible experience. So um, I, I think I think this is super powerful stuff. Like I I, I think it's really important. If you think about like doctors, I like get a Hippocratic oath. Like first, do no harm. And like yeah, we're doing. There are people doing harm. Like you know. And I think I think Dylan Landy and uh you quote you cited this paper. I think they talk about this. Um, with Carrie yeah. Saffron, and they talk about this of like that you're doing harm. Like let's let's just start there and kind of figure out like where do we need, what, what can we do? Like take a pause. Um, but so you you conclude this article by saying the students should not only be seen as social and affective beings, but also a support system for the HPE profession. Can you expand on that thought and tell us kind of. Uh, a little bit about your interaction with uh, with the students?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Sister. Um I think in making that statement, I was drawing on a few ideas. Um, one is, I've already mentioned, I, I tend to adopt a solution or a strengths-based approach. And with that, you, you assume that everyone is going to bring something to the table, irrespective of who they are, where they're from. Um, I was also drawing on notions of agency and transformative agency in particular, which is rooted in a third generation chat. And again, assume that all people have agency, but for transformative agency to be generated, it, it has to be over time and amidst efforts of change and transformation and debate and kind of discovery. And then thirdly, uh, and I've drawn on this idea before, uh, writing's notion of mental ownership whereby, you know, people feel that they've got some ownership over decisions made and they're more likely to be engaged and invested in the process, which in this instance is health and PE and fitness testing in particular. So I'm kind of drawing on those ideas because teachers will always be the disciplinary and pedagogical experts, right? And that's never in question. Um, but I think sometimes we don't always take opportunities to acknowledge that students are experts of their own lives uh, and more often than not have the capacity to support our work in some way. Uh, you know, planning, con- it comes on obviously on a, a spectrum, but there's, there's so many ways that we could draw on students, I think, to, to support our work. Um, even just in micro practices, you know, hands-up surveys, exit slips, mapping, anything. Um and in terms of my interaction with the students, um, like, that thinking was really reinforced. Before I went in, um, as I mentioned, it was in a low socioeconomic uh, status area. And I was warned that I might not get much out of them, That their written and verbal language skills were not great. Um, and that I was likely to experience some kind of disruption, you know, a kid walking out or whatever that might be. Um, but that was not my experience at all. Um, they were really respectful. They were creative. They had loads of great ideas. And I've shared some of those with you already. And they were really empathetic. I, men- I mentioned this in the paper because it was quite an uh, overwhelming. Almost all kids, even if they loved fitness testing and could see the relevance, um, or if they were just nonchalant about it, you know, didn't really care either way, and there were some kids like that, and they could really quickly see how their peers that visibly weren't enjoying it or visibly weren't experiencing success, um, they could really think of ways of how their experience could be improved um, and, and and also explain the mechanisms through which that would occur. And that really, that was just brilliant to kind of witness um, that level of empathy, but also, uh, I guess, the, the creative thinking and critical thinking that they needed to
0: work through that context of discovery yeah yeah and i i just want to thank you for for sharing the work and i know this is kind of like something that you're continuing to study and you're um you're working on and i think that it's just it's nice it's nice to see papers that are this clearly and well written i appreciate that and also like that are sharing what students I I would think that if you do this exact same study in the countries that use fitness testing similarly to Australia, which you listed, like, I don't know if we would get very different responses. Like, I think we'd get very similar responses in how the students feel, but yet we still keep telling people to continue doing fitness tests in the same fashion with the same no heads up, surprise, today we're doing the PACER exam and we're going to post these scores for, for people to see and we're going to create authentic com- competition and, and it's just not what okay. all the students like and when, when not all the students are not enjoying it or, or like having negative, like very negative things, like scared and embarrassed, like I just think that we need to really reconsider yeah. what, what, how we're doing it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I said at the end, um, you know, a a project like this in one school with a relatively small sample size, the aim was never generalizability. uh, And if anything, I I would definitely not encourage teachers or teacher educators to employ that list blindly. But ideally, we'd have those conversations with our own students, create our own list of of ways we'd like to do this kind of work, um, and then work from there. You know, it's the focus here is on fitness testing, but I think what I will take from this into my practice moving forward is embedding those opportunities for student boys in my practice yeah. more broadly. Uh, yeah.
0: And and I think the paper is open access, right? At least I yeah. found it very easily. So I mean, like this doesn't have to be replicated as a peer-reviewed research study, like. The methods that you used can be pared down to secondary education teachers to ask them to draw. Like you have the link in the paper to the to the wheel, and you can say, "Well, how do you feel when when I'm giving you this? Like we're gonna do this right now, and then do it again, and have that type of analysis." And you don't have to do it with every single one of your one of your classes to get an understanding, but you know, like. That's, that's the action research. That's the research that you can do to understand what your students specifically are feeling. So um, thank you, Laura. really appreciate your, your time and your, your efforts on this. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to link um, to the article in the show notes. And uh, really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Mr.
0: So that's all we have here on this one. Um, I wanted to add, um, thank Alba Rodriguez as well for her help and producing the podcast. So hope you enjoy the listen and the read. Bye.